Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to Colossians 2. Well, it is Thanksgiving tomorrow. How many are you ready? It is Thanksgiving tomorrow. But you know, I'm going to show you again during this time of season that it should be Thanksgiving for the Christian all the time. Every day, all throughout the year. I have a question for you tonight as we get into this new series from now through Thanksgiving weekend. If I could teach you one of the key ways as to how you could abound in faith, where your faith could grow to the degree that's an abounding faith, an abundant faith working in your life. Would you be interested? Yes. You, sh- you would? Yes. That's like two of you. Yes. Praise the Lord. I'm going to help you too tonight. Right. I'm going to show you something about the truth as relating to thanksgiving or being grateful that has a lot to do with the development of your faith. As to how strong your faith is, how strong your faith can work for you, and how that will affect your life. So our title, Grateful People Are What? Grateful People Are What? Shout it at me. So I want to get a point across about this title. Grateful means full of gratitude. Grateful. I'm full of what? Gratitude. Gratitude to my God. Gratitude for what my God has done. If I become full of gratitude, guess what I will become? Faithful. Now, most people, when you talk about faithful, if you think about the word faithful, they're just thinking about a basic aspect of being committed to something, showing up, doing stuff, etc., included. But I want to talk about the, the significance of this, as you're going to see in Colossians 2, to the context of well, the same thing like grateful. So if I'm grateful, what am I full of? Faith. What am I full of? Faith. Gratitude. If I'm grateful, I'm full of gratitude, right? Grateful people then are what? Faithful, which means they're full of, they're full of faith. They're full of faith. So grateful people, yes, they are faithful people. Grateful means full of gratitude. What are they going to be? Full of faith. You're going to see that being grateful, walking in gratitude, is a key factor to how strong your faith is. You can go through all of the Bible, you can, as we're going to talk about some examples tonight, but I'm going to lay a foundation tonight, pick this up on Sunday. You can go through all the Bible and see the difference between people that were grateful or those who were not. What was a sign that they weren't grateful? Moaners, groaners, complainers, all the time speaking against things relating to their life, speaking against, speaking even against God and other aspects of, of what they deal with in life. So I'm going to show you through this series, first of all, how this affects your faith beginning tonight. And then I'm going to show you this weekend how you cultivate a life of gratitude. Because it's not something that happens automatic. It's something you have to work on developing in. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to see this clearly here in these verses. Verse 5. Colossians 2 verse 5. Paul here, writing to the church at Colossae, said, For though I am absent at the time of this writing, of course, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. My spirit is still with you. In other words, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I'm still believing for you, etc., etc. Watch this. Rejoicing, look at verse 5, rejoicing to see your good order. In other words, that they were now putting their lives in order in line with what that they knew, now knew clearly God desired for their life, that you are in, you notice again, good order and, watch this, the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Read it again, verse 5. Even though I'm absent in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see. What did he want to see? I want to see your good order and I want to see the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. If you have a steadfast faith, It is a faith that doesn't fail you, and it is a consistent faith that you live day in and day out. A lot of Christians in life 
are kind of what I call on the roller coaster of faith. Their faith is up one day, down the next. Up the next day, down the next. And a lot of times in relationship to that, it's not true Bible faith. It's really honestly what they think that they might be believing God one day and then all of a sudden they're not believing God the next day. But the truth is that they were really believing God. They would probably stay more consistent. So he tells them here, I am anxious to see both the good order of your life and therefore the steadfastness of your faith. Verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Question, how do you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By faith. faith. You got to obviously put your faith in what he did for you. It is not based on anything you have or haven't done. We're not earning salvation from him or anything that goes with it. It's a simple childlike faith that we put in our Lord and Savior. You therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord as you therefore have. Watch this, underline it. So walk in him. Walk in him. Well, if I'm walking in Jesus, if I'm walking in the Christ, the Lord, what am I walking in? I'm walking in this new life united with him. As he walks, I walk. As he lives, I live. What he did, I do. What he accomplished, I accomplished. What he overcame, I overcome. So if I walk together with Jesus in this life, guess what I'm doing? I am walking in the blessing of what I've been given through salvation, but I'm doing it the same way that I got born again. How would I get born again? Faith. So for me, all he's saying here in verse 6, very clear, for me to be able to walk out this walking Christ is going to take not just faith to get born again, but a faith to now walk that out. And that's something that I want to develop and make stronger so I can walk in more of what Jesus has and has done for me. Amen? Amen. Verse 7, how do you do this? Rooted and built up what? In him. Rooted and built up in him. Now, if you don't know, that's referring to relationship. If you're rooted and built up in him, what are you doing? Relationship. The reason you got born again? Relationship. You're not rooted and built up in Jesus if it's all about a prayer for me to get to go to heaven, but I don't walk with him, I don't talk to him, I don't get to know him, I don't develop any aspect of an acknowledgement of his presence in me, I'm not aware of his presence in me, I'm not aware of his leading in my life, I'm not aware of his guidance for my life, none of that. But see, for those that are rooted and built up in him, they're constantly developing and working on this relationship, making it stronger and stronger day by day, just through fellowship, just through fellowship. So he says, rooted and built up in him, watch this, and established in what? Established in the faith. So established in the faith, again, does not mean up one day, down the next. Established in the faith means I am now walking out a consistent faith walk. And if I'm doing that, guess what your faith is going to do? It's going to get stronger. It's going to get stronger. So let's talk about, I know you don't want to hear it probably. And I'm not into, like we'll talk about at the end of the year. I'm not into quote unquote New Year's resolutions. I'm into New Year's commitments of things we know we want to commit to God, commit to see change in our life. It's a good time through the turning over of a natural year to kind of look at your life and say, what things do I want to see different about my life in 2024? But just as an explanation and a way to kind of recognize what he's going to say here about establishing the faith, recognizing that that's a consistent thing, think about what's coming up. How many people do you know at the end of the year will make a commitment, a New Year's resolution to start actually going and exercising, working out, and eating better. But most people, you know, the biggest uptick, the biggest uptick in gym purchases, talking about, you know, memberships, is at the start of the year. But they don't last long. They don't last long. Why? They're not established in a commitment to carry that out. They have a desire to change, but you know what? You can have a desire to have a greater faith and never get it. They have a desire to change, but guess what they don't have? They don't have what's necessary of a commitment to carry that out, to walk that out. So if we're established in the faith, this isn't up and down, up and down, or just a part-time thing. We as established in the faith are consistent in it. If I was to go to a gym and work out consistently, I'm sure you can all tell by my big buff body that I do. (laughs) That's a joke. If I was consistent to do that, would I see my muscles abounding in growth? Yes, you would. If I was consistent to do what he's about to tell me, 
in my walk with God to not only be born again, but continue to walk out my walk of faith. If I was consistent to do that, what would be noticed? What would be notable? My faith would abound. My faith would get stronger. I have a challenge for you tonight as we start into this series. Do you want to see your faith get stronger going into 2024? And by the way, did it get stronger this year or not? Because God wants us, as you're about to see, to abound in faith. So that means our faith is getting stronger and stronger. That's why being established in the faith means that my faith is going to continue to develop and grow and become stronger day by day. Notice this. You're rooted and built up in Him. You're established in the faith as you have been taught. How do you get established in the faith? You have to be taught. You have to be taught how to do that. Paul said, I've taught you that. Watch this. Watch this. Notice, you are established in the faith as you have been taught. Underline it, please. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding in what? Faith. What's abounding? Overflowing. Abundance. A mighty strong faith. So again, if I could come to you tonight and say, if I could show you one thing that would help your faith to abound, become stronger, become more powerful, become greater in your life, how many of you would be interested? Let's see if I can get a little better response this time. How many would be interested? Well, guess what's going to cause that to happen? Now, I'm going to use the word grateful. Gratitude. Being grateful. Thanksgiving, same thing. Notice what he said. He said, the way you see your faith abound is through thanksgiving as I've taught you. I taught you that you can be established in a walk of faith just as you receive Christ. The same way that you got born again is the same way he wants you to walk with him. And that development of faith will cause you to abound and become stronger in your walk of faith day by day. But the key there, what did he say the key was in these verses? Thanksgiving. How important is gratitude? How important is thanksgiving to your faith? According to this verse, it's critical. I'm going to tell you one of the number one things hindering people's uh, development of faith. If you ask the average Christian, most people who've been in church like this for very long heard about faith. If you ask the average Christian, what is it that you would say is probably the weakest element in a person's life relating to the fact that their faith is weak? Well, they're not hearing the word. Faith comes by... Hearing, hearing by the, if you're, if you're grateful, if you're abounding with, uh, excuse me, if you are a person who is truly walking in thanksgiving and gratitude towards God, guess what you're actually going to be speaking over your life? The word. Guess what you're going to be speaking about? You're God. He's the word. So if you want to learn a simple truth moving into 2024, the end of this year and into 2024, that'll cause your faith to abound, I would be working on my life of gratitude. I would be working on my life of thanksgiving. Now, I'm not going to get there tonight. I'll touch on it maybe a little bit, but I'll show you why a lot of people are hindered in this. I'll show you why a lot of people are not abounding in faith and why they're not, because they're not, and why they are not therefore uh, being thankful, walking in gratitude. One more time, verse 7. Notice again, let's back up to verse 6 because it's all, all one sentence. He said clearly, as you therefore have received... Christ Jesus the Lord, so what? Walk in Him. How? Rooted. So he tells them how. Rooted and built up in Him. Relationship. One. And established in what? In the faith as you have been taught. How? Abounding in it through thanksgiving. So he just gave you two things there. Critical. If you want to walk out the type of life God has for you, You don't just start by faith with Jesus. You continue in faith with Jesus. And to do that, he just told you two things it takes. One, you got to be rooted and built up in him. Relationship. Relationship. If if Christianity to you is not a relationship, you're going to miss out on this abounding faith. And it's a a simple thing to understand. How many know that the Lord Jesus is a true man of great faith? Right? As, As the son of God, how many believe he abounds in faith? Well, what happens when you rub up next to people and get close to them? They rub off on you. So the relationship is also a key. I'm not belittling the relationship here. Very clear. That is something that every one of us needs to have. Why should we open our Bible every day and spend time reading it? Relationship. To hear God. Let him talk to us. Let him speak to us. Not some. When when reading the Bible becomes a religious aspect of what we do. A religious exercise. There's no relationship involved in it. 
None at all. And so therefore, guess what? It doesn't help us. We don't get to hear from God. We just go through the motions of reading Scripture and say we did our little due diligence of, religion, of religious Christianity, not true Christianity, religious Christianity, said that on purpose, and therefore there's no relationship in it. So how many of you want to see your faith abound more in 2024? One, where's your relationship with Jesus? You ought to write that question down. You shouldn't assume you know. I would write it down and I would take it to the Father and I would say, Father, where is my relationship with Jesus? Where is it at? What do I need to do? You know, I mentioned this in a post recently in my daily blog and it's so critical. Hamia, we talk about these people all the time. We should, we should honor them. Great men and women of faith. How many know the name uh, Lester Sumrall? Yes. Kenneth Hagan? Yes. Smith Wigglesworth? Right. How about Amy Simple McPherson? Yes. How about Lydian B. Yeomans? I've mentioned these people over and over and over and over again. Great people, great men and women of God. I've asked this question to many people. How would you like to have a walk with God like they had? Oh, yeah, you can. You can. What's the difference between them and Christians that don't have that kind of walk with God? Does anybody know? There's one key thing. It's one word. One word. Time. Time. You want to know why they had the walk of God they had? Time. What did they do with their time? So let's go back to somebody who looks at somebody in the natural and they they see their body all built up and strong. Boy, I'd like to have a body like that. You know why you don't have a body like that? Time. Just time. That's all it is. Because if you gave the time that they gave to that working out, guess what you would wind up? You would wind up looking like them. You would wind up becoming as strong as them. There's a guy that he kind of does these prank things in the, in the gym. And he's kind of a guy who goes in and he sees these people. He doesn't look very big, honestly. He's about my height. And he's not like a real, if you looked at him, you couldn't tell that this guy was very, you wouldn't think he's very strong at all. And he goes into these gyms where they got these, you know, monster sized guys who are trying to deadlift weight, you know, deadlifting so much weight and stuff like that. And he acts like he's a cleaner. And he comes around with a mop and he'll kind of start cleaning around the, the you know, where the bar, the dumbbell is. And he's cleaning around the dumbbell and after, because they just got done lifting. And the guy that lifted, you know, could just barely lift it, you know. And he'll say, oh, could I clean around? Oh, yeah. So he's cleaning around there and he sees he can't mop under it. So he drops the mop. He just picks the weight up and walks over and sets it down. And he comes back and mops up. He goes back over, picks it up, carries it back over, sets it back down. And they're like, What? <laughs> They're looking at this little small, but he's a strength trainer. He came out of Russia, and all he does is understand the significance of how to train for strength. Well, guess what? Those guys could be as strong as he is if they put the time in doing what he does. If you want your faith to abound, like obviously we hear about all these great men and women of faith we talk about in this church, if you want your faith to abound, guess what it's going to take? One thing, time. Time. Because if you take the time to do what they did, you're going to get the same results. What's great about God is God's not a favorite person, uh, favorite, you know, plays favorites. He, he doesn't show any partialism to anybody. He did not give Brother Hagin more faith than he gave you. The amazing thing is Jesus didn't have more faith than you have. He developed it. How much time did Jesus spend with the Father? Lots of time. Day in and day out. So one, two things again he reveals in verse 7. Is there anybody here that I have the interest of? Maybe somebody online instead of here that wants to see their faith abound in 2024. Two things, and it takes time. One, relationship. He told you, you got to be rooted and built up, built up, built up in him. Relationship with him. You got to spend time with him. You got to take the time to talk to him throughout the day. Not just read the Bible. And here's what's great about God. I mean, the moment you get born again, who's living in you? Who's living in you? Tell me out loud, please. The Holy Spirit, which is how God relates to you. Well, guess what? You don't act, ha, now don't kick out the Bible, but guess what? You don't have to have the Bible in your hand to fellowship with God. You can do so by the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad about that? So understand, one, you got to be rooted, rooted and built up in him. That's not our focus in this series. Two, you also got to do what? You also got to learn to live a life of Gratitude. You have to live a life of thanksgiving. Not once in a while. 
Not once in a while. Not during the time of November on a Thursday when we have turkey with the family and give thanks. Oh, man, this is a day to give thanks. But you know, a lot of people won't even give thanks tomorrow. They'll complain about the food. They'll complain. I'm serious, man. Even, even those who, who even cook the food. How many times have you ever gone somewhere and somebody just complained, oh, my, my this wasn't as good this year. My, well, why don't you just be thankful you got something to eat? Amen. Amen. See, the nature of the human is to not walk in gratitude. I'm going to say that again. The nature of the human is to not walk in gratitude. Now, I'm going to give you a little key up front as to why that's true. Because the nature of the human is to focus on self. And I will tell you right now as we'll get back, back into more of it on Sunday, if you focus on self, you will not walk with gratitude. Everybody in this Bible that walked with a heart of gratitude, they were not focused on themselves. David was not focused on himself. He did for a time. We understand he got in some trouble. But his heart was a heart after God. He wanted to do what was right in the sight of God. Didn't he? I said, didn't he? How about Moses? What a great man of faith. To lead over a million plus people. Moaning, groaning, stinking, complaining. I mean, rebellious people. Can you imagine that? I think of my church that I pastored over 30 something years. I can't even think of what Moses went through. You listening? You know why he was able to do it? Man of faith. He abounded in faith. You know why? He was grateful. He was grateful that God, after what he did, would even give him an opportunity to walk with him. How about Abraham? Grateful. Come on, somebody. So realize this. The two things, I want to combine them into that one point. First of all, if you, let me back up and say it this way. If you don't give your time to your relationship with the Lord and to developing a lifestyle of thanksgiving, you won't abound in faith. Let's say it the Bible. If you do not take, give yourself, to, you don't give uh, yourself to the time. You don't take the time to develop your relationship with God and develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving, you will not abound in faith. Right. I have to give the time to develop the relationship with God and I have to give the time to what? Developing a life of thanksgiving. Developing. Developing. It doesn't come natural. It does not come natural to the human. You know, I think of our pastor all the time. It, 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 it truly bothers me, clearly, obviously, in our country, to know of our pastor who served as a sniper two tours in Vietnam and came home and was ridiculed and spit on and everything else. Now, he could have gotten bitter or he could have allowed himself to get better. He got better because he got born again. And instead of being ungrateful to all those focused on himself and the way they were treating him, he got born again. He got saved, got his focus on Jesus Christ. And when he got his focus on Jesus, guess what his eyes did? His eyes got off of him and his eyes got on serving and helping other people. His eyes got on God and helping other people. And because of that, guess what? His faith has developed. His faith has grown. He chose not to hold a chip on his shoulder. How many people today live in situations? I love something Kathy posted the other day. It's amazing how many people pray for stuff and then they get it and then they complain about it when they got it. You still with me? They, they pray for a spouse. They get a spouse. When they get one, now they complain about them. They pray for children. Then they have children. Then they get children. Then they complain about them. You still here? They pray for a nicer home. They get a nicer home. Then they complain about all the work they have to do to keep up with that home. Mm. Getting awful quiet. <laughs> and I'm telling you, folks, what you got to realize is in all of life, it's easy to go through life like the children of Israel of old in the context of those who came out of Egypt with the heart of, of total, complete, complaining, groaning, moaning, a heart turned away from God, focused on yourself, moaning, complaining about every situation. Do you realize, even like parents, I realize parenting's challenging. What in life isn't challenging? You're in a fallen world. What in life isn't challenging? It all is. It all has its challenges. But you know what? Isn't it amazing? So as an example, uh, you know, the Texas Rangers ended a 62-year streak and wound up winning the World Series this year. They faced a lot of challenges, especially going into the end of the year. At the end of the year, it didn't look like they were going to make it. But you know what? They faced every adversity and overcame it, overcame it, overcame it, overcame it, overcame it. They never quit. They never gave up. And what I love about it is so many guys on their team are true, solid Christians. 
There's a, they have a third base coach I've known about him for years, Tony Beasley. He beat stage four cancer. He lives every day with an absolute gratitude to God that I get to wake up, open my eyes up tomorrow and go help somebody change their life. If you learn about this guy and follow him and read after him of his little posts that he does and stuff, every single day it's about helping somebody else. It's not about his problems, his woes, his issues. Nope, it's every day. I found out too, it's pretty cool. He's a deacon in his home church. I'm going to tell you, folks, you have to develop. Say develop. develop. You have to develop both your relationship with God and you have to develop a life of gratitude. If you do, very clear in verse 7, guess what will happen? If you are rooted and built up in Him, relationship, and also, therefore, walking out a life of thanksgiving, you're going to bound, abound in faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I got your attention yet. Yes. Psalm 69. So this ain't just your normal little, hey, let's give God some thanks while it's Thanksgiving message. This is understanding a total change of life. Total change of life to see my faith abound in relationship to what I walk out every day. And if I have abounding faith in my life, it doesn't matter what the devil may throw my way. Because I already know by abounding faith, I'll overcome it. Did Paul walk in abounding faith? Yes, he did. And you know what you'll see about Paul's life? Paul was a guy who could have easily gotten focused on himself. Woe is me from the old lifestyle, the old way of living, and I was the one persecuting the church, but he didn't do that. Got his eyes on Jesus, and as he got his eyes on Jesus, he was so grateful that the Lord would even, you know, obviously allow him to come into the kingdom, let alone use him. And because of that, guess what? He developed both in context, relationship with Jesus, and developed in a life of thanksgiving. And what happened? His faith abounded. Did mighty things for God. Psalm, I want you to see this, 69, verse 30. So let's tie some words in with understanding about what thanksgiving is all about, being grateful, gratitude, all the same aspect of what we're looking at, and how that actually affects our life. So I want you to see this. In Psalm, beginning with Psalm 69, verse 30, let's look at some stuff to prove to you and show you how thanksgiving, gratitude, being grateful ties into allowing your faith to develop and mature and abound. Verse 30, notice this. I will praise the name of God with what? I want you to remember that. I will praise, praise, praise the name of God. The name of God. Acknowledging God. How am I going to do that? With a song. Look at this. And we'll underline it, magnify him with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Another little nugget is God gives me nuggets. I share them a lot on, the, on, social, on my social media. Another little nugget I shared the other day, and I've said it before, uh, as God has revealed it to me before, but he kind of reminded me of it the other day. Guess what? In this life, you can magnify your problems or God's promises. In this life, you can magnify your problems or God's promises. Ready for the kicker of the statement? And they both work. They both work. If you magnify, quote unquote, your problems, guess what? It works. Your problems will get worse. If you magnify God's promises, guess what? The promises become into, into being, into manifestation. Why? Because it works. Whatever you magnify, you're going to have more of. Watch this. Read it again. So this verse tells us here clearly that we are to praise the name of our God with a song and we will do what again? Tell me. Tell me out loud, please. Come on, tell me a little louder. Come on, you haven't even ate Thanksgiving dinner yet. Yeah, We will magnify him with what? What will we do? Thanksgiving. So here's a simple truth that reveals to us how Thanksgiving, gratitude, giving thanks to God, which we're going to talk more about in detail this weekend how to do that. But, but here's a simple truth that reveals if I truly am walking with a heart of gratitude, what am I doing right there? What did it say I'm doing? I'm magnifying God. So what am I doing? I'm magnifying the God whom I'm giving thanks to. If I'm magnifying God, how much bigger is God getting in my eyes? Much bigger. Therefore, if I'm magnifying my God, what am I doing? I'm certainly making it a position in my life. I'm making my God seem as big as he really is. And as I magnify my God and obviously make him look bigger in my life, guess what I get? More faith. Because I start seeing him for who he really is. 
Because faith really in the simple truth of what it is, is trust in God. But again, I can go through life not magnifying God, or I can go through life magnifying God. What's the difference? Gratitude or a lack of? Gratitude or a lack of? If I have gratitude in my life towards God, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to magnify him bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? How many of you as a little child, if you ever did, how many of you as a little child ever had that time? I remember my grandpa, my brother still has it. My grandpa had one of these old type, uh, you know, it looked like a kind of a semi-dresser type of a piece of furniture. But it was, and it wasn't a roll top, but it had this wooden top on it that you folded down. Anybody ever see these? As you pull it out and fold it down, arms would come out at the same time. And that table, and that top would come down and it would create a desk. And it had these big drawers down underneath it. The desk would come out so far, your, 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 your uh, chair would sit underneath that part of the desk. So if once you folded it up, you still had access to all these drawers to, to store stuff. But what I really liked about it is when you unfolded it, guess what was inside the desk? Cubby holes everywhere. All kinds of little drawers and cubby holes and stuff. So I would always, when I would go to my grandparents, I would always go to that desk and I would open that desk and I'd be going through those cubby holes to see what I could find. What could I find? What could I find, man? Trying to find something. All the time. One of the first things I ever found was a magnifying glass. Man, when I found that magnifying glass, I was out in front of my grandparents' house and I was looking at everything. Whoa, look at everything bigger. Man, I can't believe how big that looks. Look at that, look at that. I'm going to tell you what, folks. That's what you and I need to do to get our focus on God through gratitude. If I start getting gratitude towards God, I get a focus on Him. He starts getting bigger. My faith starts expanding. My faith starts growing. Amen? Amen? But the key is you and I have to do what? Again, cultivate, develop a life of thanksgiving. How do we do that? Sunday. We'll talk about that Sunday. I'm just going to show you how it ties to understanding how faith develops. So if I magnify him with thanksgiving, is my faith going to get stronger? You bet it will. Let's look at an example, can we? Yes, That's three of you. Romans 4. There are more than three here. Amen. For those of you streaming... I say that's three of you. There's more than three here. Romans chapter 4. You know, I forgot to mention in announcements, Holy Spirit just reminded me of that as I was thinking about this message and sharing this message with everybody. Uh, How many of you know on Sunday night, we touched on a very, very important part of our series on healing and closing, no, Sunday morning, on clearing out our series, uh, finishing up our, closing out our series on healing, uh, on understanding how to walk in divine health and use the word to get healed. So on Sunday, say Sunday. Sunday. On Sunday, I'm going to have a sign-up sheet for you that you can sign up to get that CD if you want it because you need to learn how to take that word to use it in your life at, uh, in relationship every day to walk in divine health and see the word heal your body. And it will in Jesus' name. Yeah. Romans chapter 4. So let's look at an example of this thanksgiving, gratitude, which brings what? Magnification of God and therefore faith develops, gets stronger and abounds. Romans chapter 4, 13, we're going to use Abraham. For the promise that he, speaking of Abraham, the promise, promise, promise that he, he would become heir of the world. So he's been given a promise. He can magnify his problem or he can magnify God's promise. How's he going to magnify the promise? He's going to give thanks to God. He's going to glorify God. He's going to acknowledge God. The promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through what? The law. There was no law given to Abraham. There was no law in existence when God gave this promise to Abraham. Talking about the Mosaic law, Moses hadn't come yet. So what he's telling us in the New Testament, this very promise to him of being heir of the world was not established by law, meaning that it had to be earned. He had to prove to God that he obviously needed to do this and this and this and this to be able to get it. No, notice this, but through the righteousness of what? Faith. Faith. So how did he become heir of the world? So this phrase that he did not do it through the law, but through the righteousness of faith means that Obviously, to become an heir, to become an heir of the world, what do you got to become an heir of? Say it again. God. If you want to become an heir of the world like Abraham, what do you got to become an heir of? Heir of God. Who owns the world and all that's in it? God does. So if I want to become an heir of the world, I got to become an heir of God. To become an heir of God, guess what I got to have? Right standing with God. 
Without righteousness, without right standing, I can't become an heir of God. But how many know the moment you receive the gift of righteousness, what do you become? Heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. So this phrase here about uh, Abraham is saying he didn't receive this through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, the way that he got into this promise of being an heir of the world, because therefore becoming an heir of God was right standing with God through what? Faith. He got right standing with God through faith in God. And because he got right standing with God through faith in him, he became what? An heir. 14. For if those who are of the law, talking about the Mosaic law, if those who are of the law are heirs, if the purpose of the Mosaic law was that they could all become heirs of the world, he goes on to say, then faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. There is no reason to have to put faith in God to have right standing with God, to become an heir of the world. Don't get confused by that. I'm just trying to explain this. There is no reason to have that if it's established through the law. But it's not. It's established through faith. Now, how much of your inheritance do you, don't want, do you want to walk in? Well, to do that, your faith's probably going to have to start abounding a little more. Notice this. Because, 15, the law brings about what? Why does the law bring about wrath? The law, wrath there means judgment. Well, all it's simply saying is this. If there were no, which I would love, by the way, if there were no, Caleb would get me in trouble, though, if I tried to do that. If there were no street signs, uh, excuse me, speed limit signs out here on the streets, there would be no law saying you can only go so fast. So if there was no such law, I could do as, I go as fast as I want. Caleb could not pull me over. Police couldn't pull me over and give me a ticket, meaning what? The ticket is like the wrath of a violation of a law. I now get a penalty. I now have to face some kind of a penalty to deal with that. So there is no wrath where there is no law, meaning there's no penalty. Why? No law. Nothing saying you've done anything wrong. But where there is a law, it brings about what? Wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression, obviously. 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, heaven's help, so that the promise, what's the promise? What's the promise? What's the promise? Heir of the world. How do I get it? Becoming right with him. What was the promise again? Verse 13. For the promise that he would be heir of the world. Inherit what God has as a child of God. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to what? Tell me. All the seed, not only to those who are of the law, so even those back in the day of the law had opportunity to clearly, as we know when Jesus died, went into hell and brought them out, had the opportunity to receive that inheritance as well, but also to those who are of the faith of what? Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 16 is actually dividing up Old and New Testament. It's saying those of the Old Testament that adhered to the law, where were they held until Jesus could come and die and pay the price for their sin? Paradise. But when Jesus came, he went down there and preached to the captives and uh, captives in captivity. And the Bible says the old, the old Testament, excuse me, the saints were seen from the Old Testament coming up out of, out of the earth after Jesus was raised from the dead, ascending to heaven. So they got into the promise. Amen. Right? Even though they were under the law, they now by faith in Jesus actually exercised what was clearly in a way to get right standing with God. And they themselves were able to enter in. But so are we who are not of the law, but of the faith of what? Abraham. So that refers to me and you. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So how was Abraham going to become an heir of the world? Through all of us. Through all of the descendants that would come, God would recognize that he, being the father of many nations, would also be known as an heir of the world. So he not only got blessed with a whole lot of descendants, including me and you, but he also got blessed even from a perspective of what we know materially in the earth by God in context to cattle and all the land and all that. I've made you a father of many nations, many peoples, in the presence of him, God, whom he, Abraham, believed. Notice, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not, uh, do, which do not exist as though they did, which, by the way, is a part of thanksgiving. Amen. 18, who contrary to hope in the natural, in hope he believed, so that he became what? The father of many nations. 
According to what? Tell me, according to what? What was spoken. So what was this based on? What God said. He based it solely on what God said. So shall your descendants be. 19. And not being what? Tell me. So if he wasn't weak in faith, he certainly must have been abounding in faith. Notice, him not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Now realize you got to deal with not considering the natural. But if you start abounding in faith, guess what you do less and less and less of? Considering the natural. Because your focus is on the right thing now. It's a lot about focus here. So again, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. The promise of Isaac was not based on what he saw in the natural. It was based on what God said. He himself, as it said just a moment ago in verse 19, was not weak in faith. So therefore, he was doing something to abound in this faith. What was he doing? 20. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but he was what? Tell me. Tell me out loud, please. In other words, his faith was strengthened and became stronger. How? Giving glory to God. Say, giving glory to God. One translation says his faith grew as he gave glory to God. His faith grew as he gave glory to God. Now, you might not think giving glory to God has anything to do with thanksgiving, but it does. it's, It's almost identical to what we would say of giving thanks or offering up to God thanksgiving, as I'm going to show you in a minute. Read on with me. Again, it says clearly in verse 20, he didn't waver at the promise of God. He was strengthened in faith. Again, I like this other translation. His faith grew. Say it grew. So if your faith is growing, what's that mean? It's going to start abounding. How did his faith grow? How did it grow? How did it grow? By him giving glory to God. How much do you attribute how strong your faith comes by what you say? Because what you say has a lot to how has a lot to do with how your faith is impacted in this earth. If I am developing a relationship with Jesus, Colossians chapter 2, clear about this, and I'm also developing a life of thanksgiving, I will abound. Well, a life of thanksgiving has to be spoken. Has to be declared. It's not something you think, it's something you do. What was he doing? Giving glory to God. That was something he was doing. Words were coming out of his mouth. And they weren't words of, I'm old, man, I can't have kids, Sarah's barren, I know God said that, but I just don't see how it's going to happen. There's just no way. She's never been able to have a child. Come on, we're getting towards the latter years of our life. I know God said that, but I just don't see how that's going to happen. Let me tell you what you're not doing. You're not walking in a life of gratitude. Why would that not be walking in a life of gratitude? Because you're focused on you and you're focused on your wife. You're not focused on God. You got your focus on the wrong thing. Verse 21, being fully convinced, wouldn't that be abounding in faith? Being fully convinced that what he God promised, he was also able to what? Perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Wait a minute, but read on. Now it was not written for his sake alone. Oh. That it was imputed to him, but also for what? Said be me. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised up because of our justification. We'll receive the same gift of righteousness and have the ability to reign in life, abounding in faith just like Abraham. So if we've already read, clearly, we let the Bible interpret the Bible here. We don't try to make the Bible say something it doesn't say. Colossians 2, 7 was extremely clear. Extremely you go to the last part of Colossians 2 7 you really should take time to just meditate on this uh, series on Colossians 2 2, 5 6 and 7 and if you keep looking at verse 7 it tells you at the end of the verse you'll be abounding in faith if you do what you back up to the first part of the verse get rooted and built up in him relationship and develop this life of what thanksgiving Thanksgiving. So if this is true of Abraham, that he was clearly a man who was strong in faith, if he was strong in faith, how many of you know his faith was abounding? I said his faith was abounding. How many of you know he didn't have a doubt problem? How many of you know he didn't have an unbelief problem? 
Why was that true? Because he was giving glory to God. So this statement in verse 20 is almost identical to Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. How did he get stronger in faith? Giving glory to God. Colossians 2, 7 gave you an insight of what that's called. That's called thanksgiving. Write this down. The phrase here to give glory in the Greek language. What was he doing? Giving glory to God. The phrase to give glory here means to magnify. What did we just read in Psalm 69, 30? See, does your pastor not tie scripture into every scripture into every scripture? What do we just read in Psalm 69, 30? We magnify God through how? Tell me. Thanksgiving. It said we magnify God through thanksgiving. What was Abraham doing? Magnifying God. How? Giving glory to God. How do you know? The phrase give glory means to magnify. What else does it mean? To honor. You want to write these down. It means to magnify And it means to also do what? It means to honor. You're not honoring God by moaning, groaning, and complaining. You're honoring God by acknowledging, giving thanks, and praising Him for what He said. It also means to exalt through praise. To exalt through praise. So this phrase here that says Abraham became strong in faith, giving glory to God, here's what it would say in relationship to the original Greek language. Abraham's faith became stronger and stronger and stronger as he magnified, honored, you ready? And did what? Exalted God through praise. He didn't exalt his body. He didn't exalt Sarah's body. He exalted his God. He magnified, honored, and exalted his God through praise. So praise is a part of thanksgiving. Praise is a part of gratitude. The reason a lot of people, I'm seeing more insight into this all the time. Man, Matt taught you a powerful uh, message on praise and worship on that Sunday night. I'm seeing this more and more and more all the time. If you go into situations in churches where people are great praisers, I'm going to tell you why. They're grateful people. I'm learning. Those who don't praise God that much, they're not walking in gratitude. Because if they thought at all for one moment about what Jesus has done for them. Come on. What he endured, what he went through for you. If they really truly walked in the light of the truth of what Jesus has done for them. Dying in their place. Not just bearing their sin. The punishment their sin deserved. You still with me? If they really had a revelation of that and really had a gratitude, no focus on them, but focus on him for what he did, they would have no problem praising God. I know Matt said with the youth, he asked them, what do you think causes people to not praise God? Well, what did, he, what, what did you guys say? What did you tell him? Focusing on self. Well, the reason I don't praise God is because I'm just afraid people hear me, what they might think, da-da-da-da-da, what I might look like. Yeah, that's a focus on self. Guess what that's not? A life of gratitude. You lack gratitude, you won't be a praiser. I said, if you lack gratitude, you won't be a praiser. I'm going to guarantee you what? David was a man grateful. Very grateful for what his God had done for him. You know what David was? He was one heck of a praiser. You want to know what that did for David in relationship to his walk with God? Have you ever taken time to see all of the mighty armies that he came up against? Any idea what kind of faith in God that took? See, what a lot of people don't talk about about David, that's absolutely true. Uh, uh, David abounded in faith. He had total confidence and faith in his God. In every situation where they went out to war and battle and go, over, go against their enemies, guess what he knew? He knew his God would help them overcome. Why? Because he had faith in his God. Why did he have faith in his God? His focus wasn't on him. His focus was on his God. And because of that, guess what he was? Grateful. Amen. Grateful. Now I guarantee you, gratefulness produces praisers. Every church I've ever walked into where people were honestly, sincerely grateful for what God had done for them, guess what? They are praising people. I said they are praising people. I got to finish with one more verse. You got time for one more verse? We'll come back to these Sunday. Hope you get a hold of this, man. Psalm 107. It was worth 
putting the, co the cooking and baking on hold tonight to come out here. Amen. I'm going to say it again. It was worth putting the cooking and baking on hold tonight to come out here Amen. to get a hold of this. Psalm 107. Psalm 107. It's full of this all through Psalm 107. I'm going to cut to the chase. Two verses here. 21 and 22. If you're there, say amen. amen. All that men would give thanks to the Lord for what? His goodness. Why do men not give thanks to the Lord? They don't see how good he is. Why would you not see? How could you not see how good God is? How could you not see how good God is? <clears throat> huh? You're not looking at him. Now, looking at him, if you really look at God and get your focus on God and truly zero in on him as, a, as, a, as the God of the Bible, who he truly is, guess what you're going to find out? This is a really good God. Right. Amen? Amen? And this would cause what to rise up? Gratitude. Gratitude. Thanksgiving. Notice he didn't say men are doing it. He said all that men would. Mm -hmm. All that men would give thanks to the Lord for what? His goodness. And what else? For his wonderful works to the children of men. 22, you ready? Yes. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Yes. We won't get into that Sunday in the New Testament. Right. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? Tell me. Rejoicing. With what? Rejoicing. Tell me out loud again. Rejoicers are those who obviously rejoice in the Lord. Guess why they rejoice in the Lord? Their focus is on Him. It causes them to rise up with gratitude in their heart. And therefore, guess what they have no problem doing? Praising God. What was Abraham doing? Magnifying through his words. Honoring, exalting his God. Why? His focus wasn't on him. If his focus was on him, guess what he'd have done? He'd have considered his body. If his focus was on him, his life, his situation, guess what else his focus would have been on? Sarah. What would he have been doing? What a lot of Christians do. I just don't like my situation. It's bad. I don't like it. This is just not the way I you know, vision, envision life, not the way I planned it out, not the way I saw it would go. I don't understand why my wife, I'm, I, I, I've walked with God all these years. I just don't know why my wife can't have a baby. I just don't know why we can't honor, uh, excuse me, we can't have a way to show God honor to him by having a child to truly recognize the very uh, miracle birth. Because in their day, if you weren't able to have children, guess what they thought? You must in some way, be against God but they weren't they weren't if anybody that could have complained about their situation they could have but they didn't now I wish to add time tonight and I don't I'm going to leave you with this of all the Bible and there are quite a few but of all the Bible instances in scripture what do we have of the greatest instance above all of a group of people that truly did not walk in gratitude children of Israel in Egypt what they do from the day? So here they are, crying out to their God. We're tired of being under Pharaoh's rule. We want to be freed from this oppressive rule. We want to serve you, they said. They really didn't want to. We want to serve you. We want to get out of here. We want you to free us. And God responds. And he frees them. And what do they do from the very moment, day one, that they left Egypt? But why did they complain? Did they not face some major challenges? Sure they did. Sure they did. Yeah, Red Sea, Waters of Mara, Wilderness. I mean, they faced a lot of challenges. So you can sit here and go through life. And who was leading them, by the way? God was. What was he leading them to? A promised land. But a lot of people want promised land the minute they step out of Egypt. Takes faith, folks. Takes faith to do that. That happened to them all. You started this walk with God. So what do people do the moment they start walking with God? They start complaining because they're not getting everything they want or, or seeing things go the way they want. Well, that's what the children of Israel did. Right. Guess what the children of Israel did not do? They didn't get the promise. Guess what they magnified? They didn't magnify the promise. They magnified their problems. And it worked. Why? Why in the world... Did these children of Israel who saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Think of all the miracles they saw in Egypt. Right. All the plagues God brought against Pharaoh. They were ungrateful. Why? 
Why were they ungrateful? They were. Why were they ungrateful? Their focus was not on their God. Their focus was on themselves. How they wanted to live life, how they wanted to get life, how what they want, see what they wanted out of life, how they wanted to go. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to walk with God, His ways are not your ways. They're higher. They're higher. You listening? But therefore, it's not like God's trying to take you through challenges on purpose. If you, you know, it's back to the adversity I talked about with the Rangers. You know what they did? They faced the adversity. They didn't quit. They kept believing in themselves. They kept doing what they knew to do. They did not get down on themselves. They kept, they, guess what they didn't do? They didn't focus on their own mistakes. Literally, they talked to multiple players. And you know what they said? Well, listen, we don't really focus on ourselves. We focus on our team. Our goal is to be here to do whatever we can to help the team. And whatever it takes to do that, that's what we're going to do. Well, guess what? That helps you overcome adversity because you're not focused on you and woe is me when things don't go the way you want them. They didn't win the championship the way they wanted to, but they won it. And the amazing thing is, when you walk with God, you don't go through life the way you want to, but you go through, the way, you go through life the way God says you have to go if you want to get in the promises of God. And when you get there, guess what? They're that much sweeter. Amen. You know why? Because God's the one that did it. Amen. You didn't do it. Amen. And much of the time, what we want in life, God knows isn't good for us. Not like we can't have things that he wants to help us be blessed with. Come on, go look at Solomon. Why in the world did God make Solomon so wealthy? Why? Why did he do that? What did Solomon ask for? So God comes to David, says, your son Solomon's going to be the one to build the temple. You got blood on your hands. I've got to use him now as the next king to build the temple so that my people can come and still worship me and honor me and fulfill what needs to be done so Jesus can come. That temple was a type of Jesus. It was a type of us, actually, three-part being. But understand, he said, you've got to have your son build this temple. So when Solomon was put in position of king, now David's gone. Solomon's in position. What is the very thing that actually when God comes to Solomon and says, what do you want me to give to you? What's the thing Solomon asked for? I need wisdom for what? I need wisdom so I can make a bunch of money. I need wisdom so I can have a bigger home. Man, you've put me in charge of all these people. I need wisdom, you ready? So I can help, help your people. It ain't about what I need. It's about how I can help them. But they, again, so I can help your people. Was his focus on the people? Nope. His focus was on God. These are your people. I want to help your people. Give me wisdom. And guess what God said? Because you didn't ask for wealth and riches, I'm going to give you wealth and riches beyond your wildest dreams. Because it won't have you. Your value, worth, and your happiness ain't founded in that. It's founded in me helping my people. So I'm telling you folks, if you don't learn to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving and keep working on your relationship with the Lord, you won't abound in faith. A lot of emphasis gets put on how strong your faith is by how much of the word you hear. But you know what? You could go to church every service, never miss a service, come every single time, even hear teachings constantly throughout the week. But if you don't develop a relationship with God and learn to develop a life of gratitude, your faith will not abound. Thus saith Colossians 2 verse 7. I know some of the most bitter Come on, think of the Pharisees, right? Religious leaders of Jesus' day. How devoted were they to the temple? Oh, yeah. Were they ever missing any services? No, man. They're there at the Sabbath day, week in, week out. They don't miss it, man. They became so focused on what they themselves were trying to accomplish for themselves instead of looking to God. God showed up in flesh, and they didn't even recognize it. You listening? Gratitude. How many think we need to work on this gratitude thing? And if we develop and cultivate a life of gratitude and keep working on a relationship with God, your faith is going to get stronger and stronger. You, like Abraham, you can abound in faith. And you'll have no problem walking in your inheritance as a child of God. Do you get anything tonight? Stand your feet. Praise the Lord.
pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.